Hello and welcome to the Legal Technology Review. As always, I'm Brian Folk, your host, civil litigator, and author of The Cyber Advocate. Want to remind everybody before we get into our discussion today about apps that you can head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the Legal Technology Review podcast. I'd also like to remind everyone that this podcast only goes as far as you send it. I can email it around to few people and I can share it as much on social media as possible. But in reality, people don't listen to me about my podcast. They listen to you. So share it on social media, share it through email or, but only if you have to, actually talk to someone in person and tell them about this wonderful podcast that they can listen to by themselves. For even more information on how lawyers and legal professionals can harness the power of technology to provide better client service, head over to The Cyber Advocate, www.thecyberadvocate.com. You can uh, subscribe and get the latest and greatest information sent directly to your inbox. Okay, I don't usually like to do this, but I'm going to say there's, there's one more thing before we begin. During the research <clears throat> that I did for this month's best new apps list, I came across something that I actually hadn't seen before. Maybe it's not new, but it's new to me. Uh, several of the apps that I had flagged down as interesting to possibly review were advertising themselves as free apps, but then when you looked on their reviews and read what the reviewers said. Some of these were advertising themselves as free apps, but something caught my eye. They all had an embarrassingly high number of five-star reviews. And we're talking an app that's been released for three days having 500 reviews when an app that's been incredibly popular for a year only has 75. So I went down and I read further and it turns out that these apps, there were three of them that I found. I won't mention them here, but if, uh, if you want to know, you can email me. These apps were offering themselves as free. And once you got into the app, though, in order to use some essential functions in the app, it required a five-star review in order to unlock them. That means you it made you, through the app, leave a five-star review. Now, that's in, in my mind, that's both stupid and shady. I'm going to start with why it's shady. First, I've seen apps that require you leaving a review in order to get, you know, certain features. I've also seen apps that require you to leave a comment, which, you know, I either way, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Requiring someone to leave a review is probably more likely to get an honest review than requiring someone to leave a comment, because although leave is the word comment, but I've never seen apps that required the review to be five-star. This does two things. Number one, it boosts your ratings to ridiculous levels. And unfortunately, iTunes does not have the best method for sorting through apps in the App Store. Ratings is an incredibly important one. This is a horrible artificial way to do it, and it's cheap, and I also think it's kind of underhanded. The other thing it does is it drowns out accurate reviews. And the thing about this is, is that's true whether or not those reviews are good or bad. So people who are honestly looking for information from reviews about an app don't get it because your entire page has been flooded with fake five-star reviews. On top of all that, I think it's stupid because when you require someone to leave a five-star review, nine times out of 10, they leave why. They say flat out, I'm only leaving this because I had to to unlock this version and I think it's stupid. It's horrible publicity for your app. I think it's a really bad idea, but I also think it's just bad faith. So don't do it. Okay, well, enough of lecture. Now it's it's time to get to our apps. And so uh, stick around and we'll be talking about our multi-platform apps. If you're enjoying this podcast, head over to iTunes and look up the Legal Technology Review or the Cyber Advocate. And go ahead and leave us a rating and review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the Legal Technology Review Podcast never miss an episode on tools and technology for lawyers and legal service professionals. OK, 
Okay, welcome back. We're here to talk about multi-platform apps. Oftentimes, uh, you may have noticed that my theme ends up strangely being Microsoft's new apps or Microsoft's updated apps. Well, it's not this month and we'll see how long it takes you to figure out what this month's theme is. So we're going to start with an update. Multi-platforms update for Google's basic productivity suite. Google Docs, Google Sheets, and Google Slides. Now, all three apps got a universal update. The big feature that they added is the recent documents are now saved automatically for offline use. Now, all of these separate apps allowed for you to save specific documents for offline use, but they didn't save all of them, or at least your most recent ones. Let's face it. When you save something for offline review, either you know for sure that you're going to only be doing that for the brief time you're going to be offline, or you don't really know what you're going to be doing when you're offline. By saving down all your stuff for offline use from your recent uh, documents, it's a much better chance that when you do find that you're accidentally, or at the very least not on purpose, outside of the range of Wi-Fi. Okay, so now there was also a universal update for all three apps, but only for iOS. Now, iOS has made each one of these apps 3D touch enabled, which means you can open your recent files directly from your home screen. So if you're an Android user, you get to open your recent files offline. If you're an iOS user with a 3D touch enabled phone, you're able to open up your recent files while offline and from your home screen. Cool. All right. Now there were a couple, uh, couple specific updates. Sheets now allows you to view images within the Sheets app. I love spreadsheets, not really big on using them with images. So that doesn't affect me that much. Probably doesn't affect you. The big one though for me is slides. Google Slides, which is their, you know, basic answer to PowerPoint has released Slides Q&A, which allows people using the app to ask questions of a presenter during the presentation without interrupting it. Questions get shared around the room and they can be upvoted or downvoted by other, you know, other users in the audience, which is great because upvoting or downvoting by others in the audience allows you to uh, see how popular certain questions are, make sure that there aren't duplicate questions being asked, and again, to do all this without being interrupted. And let's say you can't make it to the lecture hall that day because of snow or because you're lazy. You can now present slides using Google Hangouts. These are some pretty uh, significant updates, and I think they're very useful for many attorneys, especially if you happen to be Google Apps for Business users, which I do know a lot of small small firms, especially the more Android-focused ones, are. Okay, that's it for the Google Productivity Suite. Let's move on to our next app, Proton Mail by Proton Technologies AG. This is a free app. Uh, this is an update. This is one that came out a, a couple months ago. If you do recall, that is the end-to-end encrypted email. few nice updates to it. First, all versions now have a four-digit pin lock with an option to automatically lock after a certain amount of time. That means that your inbox is secured with your four-digit pin, and you can make sure that if you're away from your phone for a little while, your emails will be secure because it'll automatically lock back up. Let's face it. If you're using ProtonMail, you're concerned about the security of your communications. So any step that can make them even more secure, especially for something that the app's primary security is not intended to protect, the actual physical security of your device, is a pretty good step up. For iOS users, yes, yes, this is the second update where iOS are getting the better end. Deal with it. iOS users, touch ID integration. You can now unlock ProtonMail and your ProtonMail email with your finger. Don't have to worry about remembering your password. Here's the thing about that. Don't forget that it's been regularly uh, stated as likely that when this uh, type of issue gets decided by a higher court, they're going to find that forcing someone to state or enter a password is 
unconstitutional. It's a violation of the Fifth Amendment. Forcing someone to give their fingerprint is just like forcing someone to give their fingerprint. All you need is probable cause and a warrant. If you're really, really, truly concerned about the security of your email and maintaining that encryption, uh, which is probably why you got ProtonMail to begin with, really strongly consider whether or not you're willing to activate the Touch ID. A couple other iOS updates. You're now able to send attachments from iCloud and other third-party storage apps. They are added directly to your encrypted messages, and they've also added password manager support. That is one thing that if you're interested in security, you absolutely should use. Password managers are very, very effective and very important ways to keep your information safe. All right, that's it for ProtonMail. On to our next app, Spaces by Google Inc. Spaces is a free app for iOS and Android that it's an app designed for small group sharing, another one of the big entries in the new field of collaboration. You get to create a space for a topic, uh, invite coworkers, colleagues, friends, family by simply sending them a link. You then create posts, whether it's ideas to be, you know, bantered around the office, you know, anything from where you're going to lunch to who has an idea about this particular legal issue, who's met this judge, any information designed to be shared with a small group. You create the space for the topic, you invite your colleagues, and you share both files and information. You got integration built in for Google search. It allows you to share content from the web right in your posts. Integration with photos so that you can add photos to your posts. Integration with YouTube so you can add, well, cat videos. And all that's built right in. Members of the space are able to comment on the posts so you get some good back and forth communication. And a, and the built-in search feature allows for a super fast search within the app itself for any information that's been posted or anything in the comments. It's a great app for small groups. You can, you know, commenting on individual posts, but also you receive notifications for new activity. Great app for sharing, collaborating with a small group and doing so quickly. Okay. That is it for our main apps in the multi-platform list. Time to head to honorable mentions. And this is what I like. The Rock Clock by Seven Bucks Entertainment. This is a free app for iOS and Android. Have you ever just felt like the only thing that's missing from your morning wake-up routine is having an alarm clock performed by Dwayne Johnson? If that is, well, no, that's nobody. But if that, you know, could pretend to be you in entertaining times, check this out. This is an alarm clock app where Dwayne The Rock Johnson performs the alarm tones. 25 custom alarm tones created by and performed by The Rock. Also, for sheer entertainment value, I think there is no snooze button. Uh, so it's, it's, it, but it's also more than just an alarm clock app. It's, it's an interesting personal goal motivational setting, which uh, whether you're waking up or need that last kick in the butt to exercise, Dwayne Johnson's probably a pretty good person to get you to do that. And if you're truly crazy, it's got an interesting feature called Rock Time. You, yep, you can sync your alarm with the rock. Get up when he does. Who in the in their right mind would ever do this while they were sober? Exactly. Uh, just a fun one for anyone who has trouble getting up or maybe just needs, needs a little entertaining motivation during the day. Check it out. It's the Rock Clock. Okay, that is it for our multi-platform update this month. Stick around. We'll be talking about iOS when we return. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Legal Technology Review on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for the Legal Technology Review or the Cyber Advocate. You can also get all the latest on tools and tech for legal service professionals at www.thecyberadvocate.com. Welcome back to the Legal Technology Review. We're talking about the best new apps from May of 2016, and we're on to iOS. And the first 
on the list is an app called Remember, a free app by Stephane Wynn. I'm a big fan of contact management apps that do things that actually improve the quality of your networking. It's one of the reasons why I like Lexicata CRM. It's one of the reasons why I work so hard to make full contact a better uh, system for me. None of them quite got to where I wanted because there's just, there's a difference between a client relation management and a network relation management for lawyers. It's two entirely different fields, and that's just not the case in a lot of other professions. So here's Remember. Remember is a networking app. Now, here's what it basically does. It's it's a contract entry system, so you keep track of who you've met throughout the day. You add their name, contact details, other relevant info. The app then remembers where and when you met, the location and the date. Additionally, if you add an email or phone number, it will do a lot like what Full Contact does, which is search public records to find things like social media, profiles, organizations, websites. But the really cool part is, you, you know, you can add follow-up reminders, look for more information about your contacts. The best part about this is the geofencing. You've got geofencing alerts, which is all about follow-up. This is where networking, you know, the shoe leather of networking really pays off here. You set your reminders to follow up with someone before you leave the facility, and the geofencing alerts will remind you who you met, and when, whenever you return to that place. Another cool feature they've got is called Nearby Places. So say you're standing in the courthouse and there are a couple of law firms nearby. You hit Nearby Places and it shows all the places around you that you met people, allowing you to quickly access all the information about them. It's a pretty cool little networking feature. Now, if only they could combine that with some of the other CRM stuff, I'd die. I'd be in heaven. But they haven't yet, so I'll have to do it piecemeal. Okay, next on the list is Email by Easily Do. From the makers of the smart digital assistant Easily Do. This is really what happens when companies other than just Apple, Google, and Microsoft, also known as the device manufacturers, or the, the, the OS manufacturers at least, start getting good at the whole digital assistant thing. Before we just had, you had Siri, you had Google, now you had Cortana. That was it. It was the primary operating system that designed this, this smart assistant. They're proliferating now. And we get things like email I easily do. This is the rise of the truly intelligent app. And in this case, it's email. They're designed using state-of-the-art algorithms that end up getting to know you better than you do. And provided that doesn't cause you any internal discomfort, let's keep talking about how cool this app is. Okay, so right now, handles IMAP and Gmail and plenty of other, but does not handle Exchange. Don't worry, it's coming. That's one of those things. They're not going to do POP3, so if you're still using Hotmail, you're screwed. But pretty much every other email system is works or will work in the near in the near future. The main you know claim to stardom for this particular app is sheer speed. It's got an incredibly fast search, but the really cool part about the speed is it's got smart assistant algorithms that extract, separate, parse emails dealing with things like travel plans and bills. It's got all the basics. Unified inbox, customizable snoozing, works with most of, the, of those, you know, the other tools that you have. The smart elements, though, are the intelligent folders. And, of course, the undo send. You've got an undo send feature, but the smart folder is the best part. One of the best ones that I've found is the uh, one tap unsubscribe. So email automatically takes your entire inbox and sorts it and all subscriptions are maintained in a smart folder. You don't have to search f- through the email for an unsubscribe button. You don't have to go to their webpage. You click one button and you've unsubscribed from that email. It's essentially having unroll.me built right into your email app. It's pretty cool. Other intelligent folders include travel. It finds emails concerning flights, displays info like your flight number, flight time, what seats, all in a, in a helpful card that it presents for you. Also has folders for pack, you know, package delivery emails, bills and receipts, entertainment, including restaurant reservations and movie times, and also sorts separately 
the option of viewing all the emails that you have with attachments. It's a phenomenal app. It's going to continue to get better. Easily do is a great company. And I may have to add them to their, uh, to my list of best email apps once they have exchange compatibility because that was one of my requirements. Okay. On to the next CRM by HubSpot. Now this I mentioned briefly earlier. I'm a pretty much a nut for the idea of CRM because I like to track information and I like to be able to, you know, link people to other things. For example, I want to know what company a certain person works for, but I also want to be able to look up that company and see all of their employees. I want to look up a certain area. I want to look up a certain uh, type of practice. I want to look up a certain group of people. I want them to be linked together. Well, HubSpot has a free CRM system that, yes, it's designed for sales. Let's get that out of the way. It's not designed for lawyers. It's designed for sales. But it's actually a pretty good CRM system, and it doesn't have the major problem that a lot of the other ones have, high price. So signing up for HubSpot CRM, then you get the free app. Contains all of your contact data, which you can access and, and edit on the go. You store contacts, companies, tasks. You also have timelines. They show your recent interactions between your contacts, your, their companies, and your team. Uh, you're able to log and follow up on, on phone calls from the road. It's good for keeping track of time if you need to. You're able to initiate emails and calls from your phone. It includes task management tools and provides useful suggestions about what on your to-do list is important and needs attention. But the great thing about it, you get to manage your relationship. You can do basically everything you can with higher-end CRMs for free. It's not designed for legal, but I'm willing to bet you can find a couple good uses for it. Okay, next on the list, Gboard by Google. This is a free app, and technically Gboard is the is the keyboard that comes on Android, but for iOS. And it's pretty good for a third-party keyboard. Now, most of the options that have come out have been pretty meh. This one, it's got the standard fare. It's got good typing. It's got a huge selection of emoji. It's got glide typing, which is pretty neat. But it has some impressive other tools, too. First of all, it's got built-in uh, GIFs. So when my wife's talking to me about graduate school, I can send her a an animated GIF of Borat giving a high five. Simple, stupid, but I like it. The big difference, though, between Gboard and most of the other keyboards out there is that it's got Google search built in. Right at the top left of your keyboard, there's a little Google button. You hit it and you look up nearby stores and restaurants, videos and images, weather forecasts, news and articles, anything that you can do on a regular Google search. Really cool parts. You Separately, you can search for special and high-end gifts. You can search for special emoji. It is a keyboard that really takes everything we like about smartphone keyboards and multiplies it by Google search. Okay, next on the list, another free app. This one is called Summit by Shelia Shinoy. News-based apps come out all the time, and they really are a dime a dozen. They offer to collect your articles, show them in a pleasing way, blah, 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 and you know, that's what happens. Generally speaking, yes, you're right. That's how they work, and I, I try to you know, show you new stuff that you might use, but I also try to show you new stuff that breaks the mold. There is an exception to the rule that these apps are a dime a dozen. Summit is one of those expe- exceptions. Summit is a summary-based news app, which means you're not going to see the full article. What you are going to see is personalized feed of extracts from news articles in the publications you're interested in. The extracts are based on an algorithm that takes natural language processing tools and generates what is important about the article. But the best part, in my opinion, is even accounting for the amazing algorithm, Summit provides context to the stories you read. In addition to the summary, you get maps, infographics, and other images and tools to help you get a better understanding of the news you're reading, all without taking a ton of time or your entire day just to stay current on the news. 
Definitely an app worth checking out. Okay, that's it for the regular iOS apps. Time to go to the honorable mentions. And first on the list is Workflow by Desk Connect. It's $2.99 and this is an update. Workflow is an amazing automation app. If you're an iOS user and you don't mind getting a little bit in the weeds in you know updating your workflows, this is one for you. You can it's basically a, a programming tool for within your phone. You can do basic stuff like I've got it set to automatically look up phrases in the urban dictionary because I'm a dork. But you can also do a whole lot of very complex things. The update released this past month was massive. The first thing, Workflows Composer has been completely rewritten. Creating new workflows is much faster, much easier to do. So you don't have to be as much of a nerd as you used to, but it still helps. Second, a search bar has been added in the uh, Workflows and Action extension, which allows you to filter through your workflows with ease. It can fill up really quick. It's definitely a good thing. It goes along with the other numerous performance and shortcut upgrades. But the big part about the update is 22 new actions, including, importantly, interactions with Trello, Ulysses, and the App Store. So here's what you can do. So you can add a Trello card. You can create a Trello board, create a list, get the Trello items, and get details of all of your Trello items. I love Trello. It's an amazing task management system. The ability to automate creation of cards, creation of items, and getting that information is definitely useful. Ulysses, amazing writing tool. You can add to a sheet. You can attach a new sheet. You can create a new sheet. If you use Ulysses, definitely pull up workflow, especially if you use it to you know write anything off the, off the web. Additional tools for search in iTunes. Best part, though, additional search within the App Store. Considering how horrible the App Store's native search is, this is pretty important. Okay, next on the list is YouTube by Google. This is obviously, it's a free app. This is an update. After several months of being available on Android, Google Cardboard, Google's low-cost virtual reality system, is coming to iOS via YouTube. If you haven't tried out Google Cardboard, do it. Do it now and get the uh, Space Shuttle launch. It's really freaking cool. But if you have a Cardboard headset, you select the Cardboard icon under any of the videos in YouTube. This is, by the way, all videos. It gives you one of two options. You can watch a 360 video in VR, or you can watch any video on a flat screen in a VR environment. So you can actually plug it onto your Google headset so that no one else is seeing it. Pretty cool update. Okay, next on the list, Taxi Later by Joshua Meyer. This is a free app. I decided to include this app based on its potential, but I will also uh, let you know a few of the caveats about it. What is Uber missing as an app? Well, it's missing a pre-scheduled pickup. If you have to catch a flight the ne- you know tomorrow or Wednesday or Saturday or six months from now, you want to be able to book a ride in advance so that you know it'll be there. Well, Taxi Later offers to pre-book rides that you know you'll take. You fill in the uh, date, time, and the type of service, whether you're Uber Standard, Uber X, uh, Uber SUV, and the app will request the car at the right time. There's a button to view all your scheduled rides right within the app. Now, I will say, the reviews for this app have not been universally glowing. First, some apps suggest that, suggest that all this does is trigger a notification on your phone to hail an Uber. It doesn't actually do anything to hail themselves. All in all, not the worst thing, but not exactly what they're advertising. The other thing that I saw in a number of the reviews was that it indicated that a car had been hailed and no car ever showed up. In my opinion, this is the worst of the two because at least the other one lets you know that you need to find a ride. The other one, you expect one to come and it doesn't show up. Definitely a caveat. I would give it a shot if you uh, are in one of the, you know, if you're in one of Uber's major markets, give it a shot because it's free, but don't expect it to work. Okay, next on the list is 
I annotate four by Branchfire Inc. This is $9.99. This is a new version of the app. And this, I want to talk about two separate things with this app. And this is another kind of thing about what I was talking about at the beginning about releasing apps and having the release been done poorly. First, I, I annotate is the PDF editing software that I use. And unfortunately, I'm probably going to have to stop because apparently they released an entirely broken version. Now, this is not a new update. So if you own I, I annotate, you can still use it. This is a fully new version. But that also means that if you use the original I annotate, it will never be updated again. If you use PDF editing tools, you understand very well that new updates are essential to keep the app, you know, performing. It's an app that takes a lot of resources on your device, stores a lot of information, and they are prone to crashing. All of them are. The original I annotate is prone to crashing. Well, so if you pay for the upgrade, this is a list of some of the things that their numerous one star reviews indicate occur on iAnnotate 4. Frequent crashes, poor compatibility with cloud-based storage, flaky support for the Apple Pencil, which was a major advertising and selling point, notes and annotations deleted without warning, long wait times just to open an annotated document because they're not stored locally. It is incompatible with PDFs annotated in a previous iAnnotate. Problems scrolling in multi-page documents. That, I will say, in all fairness, was also a, a hang-up glitch in iAnnotate, but they did a pretty good job fixing that earlier. Documents don't remember where you were when you left the app. So that means if you're in the middle of a 150-page deposition, you got to page 47, you leave the app, it starts over page one. And the toolbar settings that you customize reset when you close the app. This was a broken app when it was released. This is not one of those cases where a few people have one-starred this app. It's almost every single review that I've seen. This is not a new major update to iAnnotate. This is simply a different version of iAnnotate that was released with none of the bugs worked out. That's the unfortunate thing, and it leads into the second part. If anyone is a TrialPad user who's listening right now, you remember that when TrialPad 4 came out, you had to buy it new. If you were a TrialPad user, you'd already spent $90 on TrialPad, and now you had to spend another 90 or if it's now 100, 130 to get an app that you'd been using. And the bottom line is this is going to happen more. There's a reason for it. If you want your app to be constantly updated with new stuff and new features, you're going to have to accept that just paying that one-time purchase is not going to be enough. But for People or for companies who are releasing these apps, you need to be very careful. I guarantee you, Branchfire burned a ton of goodwill with this ridiculous release. I have never used any annotation app regularly other than iAnnotate, and I have just downloaded Goodreader. That's what happens. So the era of free updates forever is probably over, but developers don't release a new version and charge for it unless it's ready for prime time. All right, that is it for our iOS apps, and I promise all of my rants for today. Stick around, we'll be talking about Android. Thank you for listening to the Legal Technology Review. If you enjoy this podcast, please share us on social media or email to your friends, colleagues, or whomever you think could benefit from a little more technology in their lives. We don't accept paid sponsorship on the Legal Technology Review, so your personal recommendation will always be our best advertising, and we can't do it without you. Okay, we're back and we're talking about Android apps and the best new apps for lawyers from May of 2016. And first on the list is Dark Sky by the Dark Sky Company LLC. It's a free app for its basic features, but in order to get the most out of this app, you need to spend $3 a year for subscription. Now, this is an app that has a devoted, devoted following of users on iOS where it's been for years. People swear by this app. It is a weather app. So the fact that people swear by it should be an indicator of how good it is. In addition to that, 
It's actually one of the first and only really successful Kickstarter campaigns finally coming to Android. So why are its users so devoted? Well, it's an app that's both cool and useful. And on top of that, it's a weather app that's accurate. So right now, you've already pretty much got a unicorn. The big thing that Dark Sky does, it's got basic weather features. It'll give you a six or seven day forecast. It'll tell you what the temperature is right now. Where Dark Sky really shines is its short-term information. Using unique radar images, unbeatable accuracy, and hyper-localized results, Dark Sky will tell you down to the minute when it's going to rain, and it'll even tell you how much to expect, at least within the next hour. You can't expect more than that. I mean, it's rain. But you pull up your, you pull up the app, you look at what it says, it'll show you what the percentage of when the rain's gonna occur. The closer it gets, the more to the minute it will show you. It'll even tell you how close the nearest rain is. And the, the unique way their radar is displayed, it is a really cool radar. Plus the radar, when it's shown in motion, is shown to the minute. Now, unlike the iOS version, this app is, or this is more of a service than an app. And there are people who've been upset by it. Yes, iOS users just had to pay $3 and they get the app. However, if you look at the app, you'll see why most people think it's worthwhile. I would spend $3 a month on it. I've already spent $3 on the regular version. I've got it on my iPhone. Okay, next on the list is Evernote by Evernote, Inc. This is an update. Evernote really still is the Swiss army knife of note-taking apps. Between OneNote and Evernote, I think it's they've got some amazing features, and I actually use both of them for entirely different things. For example, the notes that I've taken to do this podcast are on OneNote. However, all of the information that I recorded from the web on all of these apps is recorded through Evernote. They do things differently. But Evernote added some impressive things to its Android uh, Swiss Army Knife section this past month. First, image annotation. You can uh, take a photo or import any image, and with a long press, you can mark up your images with arrows, text, rectangular outlines, freehand sketches. You can manipulate the annotations once they're in, and you can even use the annotations to blur the the underlying picture that you've selected with that animation. This is an amazing tool for visual feedback to teammates and for highlighting evidence. It's a very effective way to keep track of your ideas and your notes through images. Okay, and the next uh, up feature update on this automatic scanning. Now, this is something that's been available on the iOS version for a while, but Evernote will, will now automatically determine the document size and type of any document you scan. It automatically crops and adjusts the resulting image keeps the temporary file in your gallery so you can access it whenever you need to. It also adjusts to the width of the screen for viewing. The app itself is also now updated to support strikethrough, subscript, and superscript text. And if you're a premium account user, the that whole automatic scanning thing also automatically detects business cards and saves them as a note and as contacts, which can then be annotated through your image annotation that we discussed earlier. Okay, next up on the list is another update, Translate by Google. It's a free app, and this is something, I mean, if, if you're not interested in doing anything at all in a foreign language, you can skip right past this, but this is a pretty cool update. It's called Tap to Translate. Google Translate will now pop open a translator inside any other app on your phone when you highlight any text in a foreign language. You highlight the text, the translate icon appears, you tap it, and you read a translation. Even better, it allows a user to translate text from your primary language back into the foreign language that you're reading. This is one of those apps that I really kind of wish that I had in college when I got that damn D plus in French. Although, let's be honest, having an app that does this, I probably wouldn't have gotten a D plus, but there's really no telling whether uh, I'd have done better or worse. Okay, next up on the list is Lens Launcher by Nick Route. This is a free app. This is pretty cool and honestly one of the things that I'm jealous of the people I know who use 
Android devices all the time, sometimes for this big feature. Android has always been the king at customizing your home screen. You got app drawers, you got a massive home screen. It's really one of the biggest advantages that Android has over iOS. There are tons of launchers, tons of skins available for Android. This is not a launcher in a true sense, and it's not a skin. It's really, it's an app drawer on steroids. You have two different ways to view your apps. One is through an Equus-based grid displaying all of your apps, regardless of size or app count. Could be very difficult to see your apps, but could also be incredibly cool and could be kind of a neat way to display it, which is why you have a second one, which is the graphical fisheye lens that zooms and pans uh, using the touch gesture while you roam through your app drawer. You got a bunch of different customization options that you can use. Uh, change the animation for when your finger's on the display, change the size of the icons, and the amount of distortion that the fisheye lens casts. It's a cool way to launch apps directly from your home screen. It's just one of those interesting things that makes your life a little bit more entertaining, which makes your life a little bit better. If you rely on multiple home screens and widgets, this is not the app for you. But if you're looking for a cool way to display your apps, this is it. All right, next on the list is Calendar by Google, a free app. This is an update, and it's got two big updates this month. The first is called Goals. Uh, allows you to add a personal goal to Google Calendar, but it does it in a unique way. So add exercise more. Well, Calendar is going to ask you a few questions like how often and what's the best time. Calendar then searches your schedule for the best window and adds that time as an event on your calendar. Well, what if you had, what if you add an event later that conflicts? Well, Calendar automatically reschedules if you add another event that's in direct conflict, meaning it's now much more difficult to get out of that scheduled workout. You can also defer a goal to a later time, basically a goal snooze button. Calendar learns through its algorithm and gets better at scheduling your time for your goals based on your actual practices, and it will improve the schedule in the future. Okay, so the next tool for update is called Find a Time. Now, this one is only available for people using Google Apps for work, but if you're using this in your law firm and you're not using Google Apps for work, uh, you should upgrade. Find a Time is a little bit like Doodle and some of those other uh, group scheduling apps. It, it's designed to find a time for a meeting or an event that works for everyone. Unlike a lot of those other systems, it will find times that work for everyone, even across time zones. And it does it based on a combination of their actual availability and when they regularly schedule meetings, their behavior. You then get a list of suggested times when everyone is free. Here's the interesting one. If there is no one time where everyone's free, it will look at all of the meetings that conflict and find the one that can most easily be rescheduled. I gotta be honest, I don't know how it determines which can be most easily rescheduled, but I'm curious to know. You select one of the times, invites are sent out to the participants, and then users get a quick glance view of all invitees' calendars, which is probably another reason why it's only available for uh, Google Apps for work. They don't necessarily want everybody to be able to pry into your personal calendar. I personally would find it very annoying if on my own calendar I had to designate things as personal and public. But if you're looking for another good way to schedule meetings within the large number of people, which let's face it, as lawyers, mediation, arbitration, client meetings, motions, trials, depositions, anything. You're trying to get a bunch of individuals plus their lawyers plus other representatives into a room at the same time. You need all the help you can get. Try out Find a Time. Okay, that's it for our regular apps on Android this month. Let's go to our honorable mention. And the first one is a pretty cool app, in my opinion. It's called Science Journal by Marketing at Google. This is It's a Google app, uh, and it's it's called an educational app. Uh, but what it does is it lets you use your phone's sensors for quick, fun experiments. Your phone has sensors that do things like measure motion for video games, measure light for auto brightness. So Google has opened up your microphone, ambient light sensor, and the three axes of your accelerometer to measure light, sound, and movement and allow you to 
read and record measurements in real time for little control experiments. There's a journal that you can keep notes on. It shows them over time so you can track progress. And for some fun ideas on how to use Google, uh, has some great suggested activities on the Science Journal website. Really just kind of a cool app, neat little tool, play around with it, have some fun. Okay, next on the list, Notify by Flyper Inc. That's, that is Notify, N-O-T-I-F-L-Y. Uh, it's free, but it does. Uh, it is based on a large number of in-app purchases. This is a new way to read and reply to notifications. New as in it's different. So now you receive a notification, you click on the notification, it takes you out of what you're doing into the app that it uses, and you can respond. Well, now you receive a notification and the content is opened up in a small bubble. You click that, the, click the pop-up, the bubble appears. Read the content, reply to the message, all without leaving your current app or having to go through the other app. Now, it's not universal. It currently supports things like WhatsApp, Telegram, Hangouts, Skype, Twitter, Facebook Messenger, Google Messenger, but there are also some notable things off that list. LinkedIn is not on there. Email is not on there. So it's somewhat limited for what it claims to do, but if you're the kind of person who, quite frankly, like me, doesn't like having to jump between apps every single time I want to do something, Check it out. Next on the list is Skype by Microsoft. There's This is an update. Skype has been completely redesigned. It's got a new material design for Android tablets. A couple of the new features they've added, they've added a floating action button that allows you to quickly start a conversation or make a phone call right from within the app. You also have improved search, which uh, allows for easier, uh, it's easier for you to find contacts, find groups and find conversations. But the best part about the update this month, multitasking in landscape mode. Skype now supports uh, the two-pane view when you turn your tablet in order to get that multitasking feature, something that video conferencing for business definitely needs. Okay, next app on the list is the Voicey Recorder and Transcriber by VoiceCar. It's a free app with in-app purchases that if you use it are probably going to be necessary. So this is a great time saver and something that is near and dear to the lawyer's heart. It's a dictaphone and transcription system all in one, digital dictation and transcription. Now, it's actually two tools in one. It's an audio recorder and a transcriber, which means you can record things and not transcribe them. Or you can transcribe things that were recorded using other tools. That's right. You can actually import recordings from third-party apps, including phone call recorders. You can also back up your recordings and your transcripts to Gmail, Google Docs, Google Drive, Evernote, Dropbox. The premium feature, though, really is automatic transcriptions. It transcribes audio into a searchable text format, which is, let's face it, what every lawyer needs. Other features include things like the ability to automatically add bookmarks within your recordings so that you can mark, hey, this is an important section in this recording. I want to be able to jump to it. It's also compatible with Bluetooth and wired headsets. But let's face it, the cool part about this is that there's a system that you can pay that will transcribe your dictations. How effectively it could transcribe complex dictations, who knows? Download it and give it a shot. All right, that is it for our Android apps, and that is it for our apps this month. Don't forget to Head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and give us a rating and review. Subscribe to the Legal Technology Review Podcast or head over to thecyberadvocate.com for the latest and greatest information on tech tools for lawyers. You can subscribe there to receive all new posts or even just our newsletter. want to remind you to share this podcast with anyone you think might find it useful, friends, colleagues. Try not to use it as punishment, but I'm not, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We depend on you and we really appreciate all your help and we I want to thank you for listening in today. I apologize once again for the rants at the beginning. You have been listening to the Legal Technology Review Podcast powered by the Cyber Advocate. I'm Brian Folk and we'll see you next time. Yeah.